0: Hi guys, welcome to The Church Split. My name is Will, and we have Brian back with us today. I'm back, heretics. And you guys know what we do here. We help you escape your church's echo chamber, learn to think biblically, and of course, challenge the status quo, which always needs challenging, especially when it's you who said stupid things <laughs> in the past. And by you, you mean actually you, literally me, <laughs> like literally me. So a couple of things. One, we wanted to do this a couple of months ago, but things just haven't worked out for that to be. Uh, so I kept we kept wanting to do this episode, but it just didn't happen.
1: Yeah, I think this
0: it's been idea for like six or seven months now. Yeah, it's like we should do that. Uh, We just have not So the first off, like and subscribe, do the Internet stuff, support us on Patreon if you want my apologetics classes uh, a whole month early online. Um, You just get what we do at my church. Uh, That's where I do my ministry um, there. So um, I've tried convincing Brian to record his Sunday school stuff and all that, but he won't do it. Nope. Um, so
1: free from internet ridicule,
0: <laughs> and also free from having to rebuttal yourself. <laughs> exactly. True. So okay,
1: I'll just so, pretend I was perfect theology in the past. Like
0: the, I like all <laughs> everywhere where Will gets it right, it was actually me corrected in my Sunday school the whole time. <laughs> exactly. But it's a mystery of what I have been saying. <laughs> Only those who are there know. Oh, we're going to have too much fun tonight. Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, so Brian hasn't been here in a minute, so we're going to have a, a really good time. Of course, uh, we were just saying tonight, like, it feels good to be back in the saddle together because yeah. we, we are a team. We're a combo. Uh, I know it started off with just me, which is what this video is, uh, Brian, behind the scenes, and I slowly, and it, cl- like, enticed you yeah. to come back yeah. onto uh, the show with me. It was like a lobster being boiled in water. <laughs> <laughs> It <laughs> really was kind of like that. Uh, oh, my first one was, oh, I know how you feel about pro-life topics. Let's do a rebuttal to this God is Gray lady. Yeah. And now here we are. And here we are. So uh, it's it's fun. I'm excited. Uh, so a couple of things. The reason why we're doing this episode is because, one, we believe in being honest and intellectually honest at all times. And I've said regularly on this channel if that I have been wrong many many times in my life which is by the way the joke some people didn't get this so we stopped putting it up here all the time but i had this little piece on the desk oh, yeah. for a while that said mr always right and the reason why is because i'm very stubborn and i always want to be right but i'm also willing to admit when i'm wrong but the whole point was to be ironic right
1: but you man, had one guy rebuttal you and he just kept calling you mr always right
0: yes a guy did <laughs> unironically <a> re- yeah <laughs> like literally thinking that i mean i'm right and I'm um, like, no, dude, you think I'm that arrogant? Come on. I mean, I'm mildly arrogant, but like, anyway. No, I, I think this episode
1: will show that you don't take yourself that seriously. No, I'm going to roast and myself so hard. And it's okay to change theology as you study and
0: learn. Yeah, because whole part
1: po- of sanctification.
0: Right. And the whole point is that uh, as you're studying, as you're learning, you should be able to go, oh, I was wrong there, and just shift closer to the truth, right? Yeah. Like, you should do that. That should be a regular practice in churches, and that's... Um, I've said recently that people have made their statements of faith, their 400-year-old catechisms and confessions the, the standard for truth, as opposed to God's Word, in a sense, you know, instead of God's Word, instead of seeking truth, so... Same as of the faith are just supposed to be like helpful tools. They shouldn't be your only guardrails. Yeah. You know, because there are people are fallible, so people who write those might be incorrect. They might be correct in a lot of areas, it might be incorrect. Yeah. And this is one of those areas that um it's really funny because it was basically soon after uh this episode, I began my study on the atonement. And so it is I, and I actually totally forgot that I did this episode because um this is back when we first started. Yeah. Uh, in fact, when, when was the date on this one, Brian? It
1: was September 5, 2019. So before COVID. Is this way video. before COVID, right? Like, uh, Don't we'll... censor
0: us, YouTube. This isn't a COVID video. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're talking way back in September. We di- I did this video of 2019. When we were first starting, we were probably doing, what, one episode a month at the time?
1: Yeah, I think that was because, our cadence, yeah.
0: Yeah, this was in my my old living room where we had to tear down the entire living room. had become a whole event. Kelly, my wife, had to go disappear somewhere. Yeah,
1: because, we made her be silent so in her own
0: house. Yeah, I was like, woman, you got to be quiet. We're recording in the living room. She's like, can you record somewhere else? I'm like, no. <laughs> it's the only place that's pretty in the house. Yeah. Um. So what happened was I did this video on the gospel where I just kind of presented an apologetic and the gospel itself. And uh, while presenting the gospel, I, of course, laid out my view of the atonement, which I used very much penal substitutionary uh, atonement motifs throughout. And many of you guys who have been following the channel already know this, I do not uh, subscribe to penal substitutionary atonement anymore. And um, which is funny because uh, and neither do you now, do you? No, I do not. OK, yeah. Uh, so oddly enough, Brian was the one who jumped the original sin train before I did. And then I jumped the atonement train before you did. Yeah. So
1: you also mentioned original sin in this video. <laughs> I am <I'm> not surprised
0: because <laughs> it's really funny. This is like literally the, this moment. I'd studied so much of my own like tradition up to this point. And stud- and knew why I believed what I believed. I already knew I didn't believe Calvinism. I already uh, and I had a lot of understanding of textual history and stuff mm-hmm. and base and apologetics, like basic apologetics. But this is literally right before my deep dive, like yeah. because uh, soon after this, I actually um, got very serious about my studies because I was I had an internet platform, and then also uh, about a year after this, a little bit under a year, I stepped down from my pastorate and where I committed into intense academic studies. And so it's just really funny. Brian and I are both talking about, and you guys probably don't care about this, but we're talking about for us how weird it was watching this video. Yeah. Because this is a blast from the past and you guys might not realize this, but so much has happened in our personal lives from this video to now. Yeah. This has been just crazy. So you're looking at it, you're like, oh, Good times.
1: <laughs> so much has happened, like you growing facial hair. So yeah, me, be prepared me for that. That should be a warning for everyone. Yeah, me growing You're a gonna beard. You're going to see
0: Will's naked face here in a minute. Yes, <laughs> although my haircut is still fresh. That's a good cut. Um, that was back when Morgan was cutting it. Ugh, boy, well, that's her. I, and I think
1: it's good to say, one of the other reasons why I want to do this rebuttal is when we were talking a lot about this on the internet last year, one of the criticisms you had given to other pastors is conflating the gospel with penal substitutionary atonement, absolutely, and saying that the gospel was
0: that, and this shows that at least at some level you had conflated the two yourself, right? Absolutely, and that's and that's why when I studied the atonement, I started going, wait, wait, well, hold up, hold up. Not only are there other views of this, but there's so much more depth to this than the penal substitutionary atonement view. So PSA, penal substitutionary atonement, PSA is so easy to just give in a few seconds and makes people in the West go, yeah, that makes sense. You know, we think legal terms were very forensic in our thinking, so it just makes sense in our Western society. The problem is, is that's I don't want to get into a whole tangent, but that's not how the earliest church fathers viewed it. So there's so much more depth to it, especially in connection to the incarnation. So as I've looked into this, it has made me more and more realize that I was equating the wrong things and that it was taught to me incorrectly. But I was given the gospel in the same way that I had heard Every other evangelical pastor that I knew give the gospel. Yeah. And it, it wasn't the best way to give the gospel. Um, and it was conflating things. And what was happening was when we did not sign um, the Statement of Faith with our RFP or Recovering Fundamentals podcast, one of it was because it said you have to believe in the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. I was like, well, I don't think that that should be it. Should be blood atonement because everyone agrees on blood atonement. Not everyone agrees on penal substitution, and for good reasons.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like a halfway
0: description. It wasn't
1: all the way PSA, but wasn't really.
0: Yeah, all encompassing. If I'm putting my name on it. Yeah. I, I yeah. So one so and one and I kept getting criticisms. I mean, I the, the Twitter was on. Facebook. Fire against me yeah, for what a couple of weeks? <laughs> no, it was longer than that. Yeah, like a month. <laughs> yeah, that was a long time. That it was just it like kept coming back up too. It just keep coming, and I'm using the same arguments. They're using the same passages. I'm pointing out the same arguments, and he, even Jonathan Beasley. Uh, by the way, shout out to Explore Christianity with John, uh, with with Mister Beasley there. Um, but uh, and of course Dr. Boyce, both of those guys over there love the work they're doing. But, uh, Jonathan Beasley was like, okay. He's like, like, we're going back and forth, but he, uh, everyone else is doing ad hominem attacks, just being nasty and shrieking. He's the only one actually noticing the distinction as I am making in the argument. Yeah, the only one. And he's sort of going, okay, so you're not, when you're saying for, when Jesus died for you, you're just saying not substitution. I was like, right. And he's like, but you believe wrath is poured out at the end, just not on Jesus. I was like, right. He's like, okay, so why are people calling you a heretic on this? Like he even <laughs> said himself, he's like, you, you're not denying the wrath of God even. I was like, I know that's what makes it so silly. But the point is, everyone, is be willing to challenge yourself, be willing to say you're wrong. And also, one of the things I get accused of regularly with people who attack our channel is we're, we just can't admit that we're wrong. And I'm like, dude, in order for me to shift the positions I have shifted, I have admitted that I'm wrong probably more than anyone I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so someone proves you wrong. You shouldn't fight back. You should say thank you. Because you now you're closer to the truth,
1: and you didn't change a position on this because you just wanted to have a new position. Right. It was scripture that pushed you to
0: change. Scripture, yeah. Scripture, scripture, and cultural history, like all those things, like impacted me, where I started realizing that oh, this just isn't accurate, and this is a bad way to understand it. I, I would almost say a very elementary understanding of it. Yeah. And uh, and that's not a knock on anyone else because as I say that, I, as you will see bought it hook, line, and sinker as well. Yeah,
1: and the history thing is, it's not because you're like, okay, what is tradition tell me, telling me to believe? But if we look back at history and we find at some point in time in the last 2,000 years this new concept came about as a doctrine, then we have to assume that it didn't exist prior to that, probably didn't, and the apostles didn't believe it, Jesus didn't teach it, so then we, have, we should have some real concerns.
0: Yeah, and it's not to say it's not correct, it's just to say that, if, there's, if in the first thousand years of the church, this wasn't a theme, you should definitely be questioning yourself to some degree or other. Now, it's not to say, again, that the early church fathers can't be incorrect, right? Of course they can be, and they have been. Um, it's just you should, it should at least give you enough pause. But when the early, if you're saying that penal substitution is the gospel— <laughs> well, and then you have to deny that the earliest church fathers denied the gospel. Yeah. Then you have um,
1: 1600 years without people knowing the gospel. <laughs> right, apparently.
0: Um or at least the first 1000 if you want to include like Anselm's theory which is different, but I don't want to get into. I'd love to do it my own episode eventually on just the atonement like walking people through it more. Uh, I already have that Sunday school series that I taught through, but just like sit down and talk to our normal audience about it. But anyway, um with that being said, guys, just it's okay to admit you're wrong. This is me This is me doing that, and we should do this regularly, and it's okay to change. It's okay to challenge yourself. One of the biggest problems in the church is that people, they get entrenched in their tradition, and they're not willing to grow and learn deeper, and um, I, I've been challenged by some friends in ministry who's like, yeah, this theology here pushes people deeper, and sometimes that makes people uncomfortable because when you go deeper, it gets more almost difficult to articulate but it is more accurate in a sense. Yeah. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. More accurate, maybe more nuanced, maybe a little bit more specific.
0: And also honestly more mystical. And I, people get weird about that, but like, I mean like metaphysical, mystical, like beyond the physical world. Um, and the atonement has a lot of those connotations to it, but, uh, which is why he went into the heavens and purified the holy place. There's this like metaphysical understanding going on. Um, yeah. So anyway, and you believe it's metaphysical
1: if you believe in a spiritual new birth. <laughs> right. Exactly.
0: So it's just anyhow, um, the way we found I, I, the reason why this came up was not just because I was like, oh, you know what? I want to rebut myself. But it's actually because a small reformed channel did a response to my atonement series. One, they misrepresented me. Um, and two, they <laughs> didn't make the ve- a very good case that they thought they did. Um, like what I mentioned, uh, about, I said something about babies. It's like the early church did not adhere to something like this. And they go, Oh really? And then they write a quote from Augustine. I'm like, yeah, dummy. That's the argument that Augustine changed the view. <laughs> like uh, anyway. Um, but there's these guys who did a response to us and told people to, like run away or split from the church split or something. I don't know. You can find the video. Um, and then they're like, but notice how his view of the atonement changed the gospel because they equated them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I was like, oh, crap, I forgot about that video. <laughs> like, I totally forgot about that. You know what? We should do a rebuttal. And uh, ever since then, we plan to do a rebuttal. We just haven't gotten to it. If anyone's familiar with our channel, we're always like six months behind. So just kidding. We have a lot of ideas and a whole lot of things going. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of ideas, not a lot of execution. So all right. With that being said, Brian, are you cool with us jumping in? Or is there something you want to make fun of no, me about? Uh, without further
1: ado, Comedy Central presents The Roast of Will Hess.
0: All right. First off, I want to make mention that my face looks awesome in this right there. <laughs> that face. What a pause screen. All yeah. right. Good job, Brian. Uh, and nowadays of course we we hear, see the fighting all the time of left and right and to quote ravi again but we never hear of the up and the down we never hear of right and wrong and we the only way we know of right and wrong is through god and that is what makes it us what makes it so dangerous for us christians because we have not emphasized the very power of our sin how horrible it really was the the disdain that we first off i wanted to mention that i mentioned ravi cuz he's the one who got me into apologetics mostly um, there's a bit more of a story there but it was Ravi and man some things don't age well <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't know what Will's talking about we have, he has two videos on that <laughs> I think I only have one though didn't we take it one down because one of them was like hey no. thanks Ravi for what you did
1: no we have three videos on Ravi oh we just took the, that one out. maybe four <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I don't know <laughs> <laughs> there's two videos after all the stuff came out about the creepy things he did
0: but mm-hmm. yeah so a couple things though about the Ravi so of course that's what got me into it. More things came to light. And of course, actually, after more things came to light, I did more research on it. There were certain signs way, well before that I just didn't know about. But with the Ravi, couple the really important thing with Ravi is to understand that, of course, what he did was horrible. But some people are like complete cancel culture with Ravi. Like you can't quote him. You can't acknowledge anything that he said was true. And if anyone knows me, I'm all about like separating people from ideas and also ideas from people in general. So if his ideas are right, it's okay to say he was right, but also to acknowledge where he was wrong and his personal life. He was very, very wrong in certain areas, right? I don't want to speak entirely for his personal life because I don't know everything about him, but Dr. David Wood did a great episode on that a while back. So just check that out. I honestly cannot tell you how good of an episode that was. So Dr. David Wood, the Act 17 apologetics, he talks about this whole thing with Ravi. He talks about how this sort of sin takes place in a ministry, one of the best episodes i've seen online if i remember it this many years later you know it was good so um anyway that's that's that and uh although also can we mention how my delivery has totally changed it really has (laughs) like this is like me being all mr pastor will uh like okay well let me explain this i'm kind of like trying to figure out the best way to articulate it and now it's just i'm obnoxious and more pointed i just You've I just know.
1: gotten like less mature over the years. Yes, less
0: mature. <laughs> <laughs> Wait,
1: that's not how that's supposed to go. Ab, I got you to agree to it, anyways. The other thing I think is funny, and this isn't like a whole knock, but it was kind of funny as I was reviewing this is, we're 17 minutes into this video, and Will hasn't actually talked about the gospel yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let me give you the gospel. 17. He laid minutes out a very
1: later. strong apologetic for truth, what's objective truth, opinion, and you just you talk about. Uh, morality meaning destiny why christianity is is the best religion because it covers all of those it elevates man above creation but below god like all those things you laid all this out but there was no gospel in it until gotta lay that groundwork man uh, <laughs> i gotta <laughs> lay the groundwork. you can't just jump in it's also a pretty short video compared to what we do now so
0: yeah 28 minutes and i have to add wow we really have gone out of <laughs> con- gotten out of control that's the problem um and then hey brian real quick switch the screen switch the screen Guys, check this out. So first off, one, I look drunk in that pause screen. But I also want to make mention that. So like I said, this was in our old living room. And the, what, back then, I would always switch up the background on the mantle just for kicks and giggles. It was a lot of fun. We and,
1: thought we were
0: cute. Uh, what?
1: We thought we were cute.
0: Ah, uh, we were just having fun. Um, but there's a lightsaber in the background of this one. But that mantle and that what, us changing up the background caused our second church split. Yeah, it did. Uh, <laughs> because... <laughs> Um, many of you guys know that alcohol was like an, a, a topic of de- much debate in the church. And um, what's funny is that all the people who disagreed with my stance on alcohol left the church up to this point. And the people who remained were like, no, Will's right on this. It's like, okay, fine. So we had like empty whiskey bottles up there once because whiskey bottles just look cool. Like they just have a neat design to them and uh, they make a really good background um, background piece. There's several
1: behind the TV right front Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch on
0: this side of the room. I, I, I like to collect them. And uh, the, our, our associate pastor at the time um, changed his stance on alcohol, but he didn't tell anybody about it. <laughs> so suddenly this video goes out with those bottles in the background. He lost his absolute mind and, like, flipped out on me, called me and called me at, like, 10 o'clock at night, flipping out. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he left the church. He, he Then from there on he just ran around and started just – really stirring yeah. the pot on a number of issues but it's just really funny because every time I go to these early videos I always think of that mantelpiece <laughs> and how just a little <laughs> bottle of whiskey up there uh caused a split which I thought was really funny from the guy from a guy who said once he agreed with us like he's like oh you're right changed his position doesn't tell anybody but then causes a stink about it months later just kind of funny
1: well when people ask us why we drink on the channel it's like because people are going to freak out about just that kind of stuff we might as well just embrace it and lean into yeah lean into it and, and uh get some thicker skin about bro like
0: yeah. and maybe you should study the topic because everyone <laughs> i've talked to pretty much who knows the topic is like yeah dude you study that topic for more than five seconds and you'll find what the bible really teaches about it yeah anyway uh just quick commentary before we get into the psa stuff we've brought upon the world We have completely almost downplayed it like, yeah, you're, you know, you're a good person. You know, we're, you know, you you know, we always say, well, why do bad things happen to good people? And we try to sit there and make out like everyone's good if as long as they don't rape, kill or steal. If you don't do those three things or you're just polite, that somehow you're a good person. That's not true. Think about some of the innermost darkest desires. Think of those things, the horrible thing that you thought about somebody and you never told anyone. Think about those things. Think about yourself as a, as a child growing up and everything else. We are all desperately wicked, as the Bible says. Our heart is desperately wicked who can know it. The heart is deceitful because we have called that which is good, evil, and evil good. And we have fight the sinful flesh because mankind's original sin, we fell and claimed our own autonomy and said, God, we know better than you. And because of this. That'll preach. Because of this fall, we have <laughs> condemned ourselves to hell. And that is the thing he talks about hell more than he talked about heaven in the New Testament because sin has to be punished hell was created to punish sinners and all sin all sin had to be separated and punished why because he's a good judge if you if, uh, whenever a ju- when someone gets clearly off after committing murder we we call them like, as a terrible judge I can't believe they do that in fact we see some awful things happen today the justice system being messed up and we claim Bad judges. So a good judge brings judgment, proper judgment, which means if he is holy, perfect, and righteous, and think about how perfect and holy you have to be, he cannot even be in the presence of sin. Because sin, he is just, he is good, and he is just. So therefore, he has to punish sin. (laughs) That's a good spot to stop.
1: (sighs) (sighs) Yeah, well. Well, got original (laughs) sin in there a little bit of hell and now we're talking about yeah actually about I'm a not sure if it's true
0: that God Jesus Christ talked about hell now more than heaven I'm really not sure because that's including some hell language that I don't even subscribe to anymore <laughs> <laughs> uh, See this was going to be gosh, fun gosh this guy's such an idiot uh, why do we listen to these morons anyway no one should listen <laughs> to Well I did platforms.
1: like your, your original sin point I you were kind of skirting around it right you did talk about like the original sin not Augustinian original sin but then you kind of lean into that after after that and talk about how um,
0: because of that fall now we're we're against God, right? Which is funny because like this was before I let go of original sin, but I also distinctly remember wording that in a way that I felt like later on I could still affirm it because I remember that that was something I was still struggling with. Yeah, because I was like, okay, born guilty. I'm not sure if we can say maybe corrupted, and, but I wasn't sure where I stood on that. Right, like. And so that's what actually I found Warren McGrew Idol Killer, which helped point me in the right direction and do more, do deeper studies. You pretty much listen to that playlist, and you're like, "Yep, it's bunk." <laughs> uh, you listen to the Idol Killer playlist, and you like, you text me almost. The, I think it was like the same day or the day after. Like, "Yep, Original since bunk." I was like, "Whoa, that was fast." <laughs> um, but yeah, I it's like. And then also, I'm not. I wouldn't say it's incorrect to say that your heart is completely, you know, is your heart desperately wicked. Who can know it? But you can definitely tell that this still had that Baptist lean, which is saying that pretty much you're entirely corrupted through sin. Like that was my view. Now I'm not saying that the heart's not desperately wicked because it is. We have inmost desires that are evil. We have inmost desires that are um, that are very. I don't know what's the right word, corrupted yeah, and against God, yeah, pro satan rebellious. So we have these, uh, we have that in us, but also there is the Yetzer uh, Hatov, which is a good desire. So we see that as well. And so I think sometimes, um, now for this gospel presentation, the point was to set up sin in order to present the solution to sin, right? So of course, you're going to emphasize the sin part more so, which but- you still firm. Which I still affirm. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying that mankind's good. So um, by nature, I just say that mankind's born innocent, which is morally neutral, and then falls into sin later on. So as
1: opposed, to the accusation accusation we get that. Says we say they're born righteous, which we don't,
0: right? Well, th- that's that weird thing where I'm like, no, babies are born innocent. They're like, so you believe babies are righteous and perfect, and da like, that's like, so how, okay, if you have a perfect nature, why do you sin? I'm like, I never said it was perfect. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, so anyway, what you're saying is, <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I find that to be a, a fun part, but you can definitely tell where I'm going because I'm talking about being a good judge.
1: Yeah, that part, I was re-listening to this again yesterday as a prep for this, and I was like, oh, he's going to hate this part.
0: Yeah, I cringe (laughs) every time because here's the bottom line. Actually, you know what? Before I talk about the problem with my good judge analogy where I'm an idiot in this and it's so obvious that I can't believe that I missed it (laughs) for so long, uh, let's just keep watching this because I'm going to explore that as we go. All right. So we, who have all sinned, have gone astray, every single one of us, to our own way. And God says that that sin is punishable by eternal separation from hell, which is hell. So here's the thing. We've, yeah, of course, this deserves it. It could almost go through a whole series of videos talking about this. But we've talked about the human condition. We are wicked. We are evil. Yes, you have some good in you because God's law is written upon your heart. But yet good is completely corrupted by your sin. And one sin is all it took to make mankind fall and the world to fall back into chaos. One sin. We've taken a brief moment to look at this condition. We are sinners and we're broken and we're all alone and without God there's no meaning. We desire autonomy, but without God we have uselessness in our lives. One without meaning and one with nothing but the mundane to live by. Just repeating the same old thing until, from start to finish until you die. And the truth is with that sinful nature, despite all of that. Now, here's the thing. It was Satan who betrayed God, and Satan who tempted man, but man who chose to sin. But God still loved his creation, because remember, he said it was good, and we are uniquely created in his image. In fact, we are so unique, it says that we will judge the angels. And it says that they basically that we're around for the angels' learning, which is kind of crazy, because we always think of these angels as higher ascended beings, which, yes, they are heavenly beings, but... We play a thing in there, too. And the truth is that despite all these failures, though, that God orchestrated a plan. Through his foreknowledge, he orchestrated a plan. Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to what? Anyone who believes. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Romans 10.9 says this, But if you confess with your mouth, was a son of god he came and the word became flesh and he became sin who knew no sin he took the punishment for us so that on the cross he said eli eli my god my god why have you forsaken me he took your sin and put it on himself and he said i want to take their punishment because i love them and then he said the words forgive them for they know not what they do he is re- he has done everything he can without completely hijacking your will to bring you to him Do you want to address that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Will's experiencing physical pain and revulsion
0: of his his own self. This guy is such a moron. What was wrong? He was just a boy. He didn't know.
1: (laughs) I mean, you also did say some things that were very true in there. and. Amen I mean, on Romans 10 quotes. So. You, can,
0: you can tell that by my presentation there, that by the way, because uh, I was like, that sinful nature of man, it took one sin to make uh, sin fall into chaos, which is true. But also, I was like, we have already talked about the human condition, that we are evil and wicked and sinners. And I'm like, ah, oh, I probably could have, because again, like, original sin was something I was like, mm, with at the time. <laughs> so I remember picking it as neutral. But it's like, I probably even word, would word that differently now. Like, we chose, the human condition is, is that we choose to fall into sin. I probably would have said that and become wicked and I would have used that terminology now but whatever hindsights 2020 20. <laughs> um, and then uh, also by the way can we just admit that uh, you can tell we were podcasting at a budget at the time because I was the cheapest mic on planet earth and holy cow doesn't make <laughs> a difference. It's not good <laughs> recording out of a tin can baby. Yeah. It's actually a pretty no- that was actually a pretty nice mic for the price though. Uh, But it's funny, because there was a few parts I could tell Callie was working in the kitchen in this. I'm not sure if you heard her in the background. A little bit of a... Yeah, it picked up everything in the house. That's so funny. But anyway, so then I said, he who knew no sin became sin for us. I was like, he took on the sin of man. If anyone follows the channel for any long, we know the fact that we both deny that sin is transferable. Mm -hmm. Jesus did not become sin by taking on the sins of man. When we say that he bore our transgressions, uh, fun fact for you, if you look in Matthew um when christ did healing matthew pointed to isaiah 53 and said and through by this he bore our um he bore our suffering so when it's saying bore it wasn't saying that he transferred it to him right when he was healing, it was instead he lifted up their burdens. He bore it with them. Mm-hmm. So when it says he bore our transgressions with him, it's the same concept of he went alongside us, picked us up on the way, and he bore that, and he took that upon himself, not in a transferring way, but in a I'm going to lift you up and take the burden with you kind of way. Um, so people complete, and that's actually, if you look at the Hebrew, it's like literally what that means. It means like to basically to bear, to lift up. Um, so I find that funny. So, sin transference is not what that means. So, of course, some people go, What is that second Corinthians quote then? When he who became sin, he who knew no sin, became sin for us. Well, I just read a quote from Martin Luther yesterday. Actually, can I read that real quick? Yeah, do it. Just, um, I decided to include it. It's more cringy than everything you said. It is more cringy, (laughs) and we got to balance that out. You know what I mean? Um, so this is what Martin Luther said regarding that passage. He says this, and this. And this saw all the prophets that Christ was to be of all men the greatest robber, murderer, adulterer, thief, profaner, blasphemer, etc. then whom none greater ever was ever in the world. For now he bears not his own person. Now he is not the son of God born of a virgin, but is a sinner who has and bear who has and bears the sin of Paul, who was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent, of Peter, who denied Christ, of David, who is an adulterer, and on and on he goes. He says that in this moment, he was no longer the son of God. He is now a sinner. And if you guys don't realize the problem with that, that the son of God is now a sinner. Yep. There goes that, the whole atonement. <laughs> that, is, that is heresy. Yeah. There is no other word for it. That is heresy. That's blasphemy itself to say that the God man, the God in the flesh, <laughs> committed sin. It's like, so this idea that he became sin who knew no sin, is it saying that he actually became sin? As you study this, if anyone studies this, the word for sin and sin offering in the Greek is the exact same word. Mm-hmm. The exact same word. So that's why M- Bill Mounts and others have said he became he who knew no sin became a sin offering. And if anyone knows anything about what sin offering was, it wasn't uh, an appeasement of an angry deity. The sin offering is actually abysmally translated. And Dr. Heiser points this out, that it means... <laughs> <laughs> that it means like a purging offering a purification offering because of your sin you have contaminated the holy space of god like it kind of aerosolizes and like contaminates and that it purifies it it's a completely different view it's not even like this is so uh, factually incorrect I, I, I cringe when i hear it it's not even... <laughs> yeah. so i i was just a boy i didn't know no better so, and then I also wanted to make sure I mentioned this because I don't know how much I talk about the perfect judge analogy in the rest of this video. No, that's as much as you talk about okay. it. Okay, so I've made this the the case that many people who affirm PSA makes that God is a perfect judge and therefore He must punish sin perfectly. So you as a sinner, He has to punish. Mankind, He has to punish for sin. So what He does is, of course, He becomes man. He returns. Uh, He comes in the incarnation, I should say. He comes in the incarnation and he gives himself up and God punishes him as a man on behalf of mankind as their substitute in their place. Because that's a good thing. That's a justice. Right. (laughs) So God transfers man's sin to him, punishes Jesus and goes there. Now that I've punished Jesus, I can say I punished mankind. I have satisfied my wrath and my justice. And now mankind can come unto me. There are like a thousand problems with it. And um, L.W. Grenstead, a a great book that uh, I'm reading and David Smith also. So there's like uh, the atonement in light of modern history, uh, which is, a and the modern spirit, great book. And then a short history on the doctrine of the atonement by Grenstead, super good. And both of them point this out that the Achilles heel of penal substitutionary atonement, that no one has been able to answer up to this point in history. And by this point, I mean like, Grenstead's like early, is 1900s, okay? So the, both of these are earlier 1900s. Uh, I think Grunstead died in like the 60s, so, but he was born like the late 1800s. Anyway, so that's pretty, pretty recently. And they said the one thing that people cannot seem to answer or get past is how God can punish the innocent instead of the guilty and call it justice. <laughs> if God is a perfect judge and he must judge sin perfectly, then he must fulfill what he said, which is the soul who sins shall die. Right? Yeah, exactly. And Ezekiel eighteen twenty, the son shall not be judged for the sin of the father, and the father shall not be judged for the sin of the son. So if that's the case, then how could God say, well, I'm going to punish this innocent man and say that now I punish mankind? It's like it felt it feels like God found his own legal loophole. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, well, I got to punish somebody. So what I'll do is I'll just do it myself. Yeah. And become man. And now I know some people are going to say that's a straw man argument, blah, blah, blah. But it's not when you really consider the fact that, okay, if the incarnation is God and that is God, then God punished himself. He, the incarnate. Because he self. couldn't forgive without it. Because he couldn't forgive or satiate his wrath without it. And then some people go, just well. It's like not... the old other pagan gods. <laughs> right. And somebody online the other day was like, well, no, it's not that God can't. It's just that that's what he demanded. I'm like, so God demanded it and he didn't change his own. Again, it doesn't really get better if you just say he demanded it, right? Because, okay, well, if that's the case, he demanded it, then why did he have to fulfill it? That just seems strange. Like, mm-hmm. I demand this, and I know you can't fulfill it, <laughs> so I'm going to do it myself. Then why demand it in the first place? It just mm-hmm. it doesn't help God's character. And if God had to punish the innocent instead of the guilty, no matter for what reason or how to what extent, he can no longer say he's a perfect judge. If a judge... Did that to a criminal, right? You're innocent. Let's say I committed murder, and I'm standing before the judge, and you go, "No, judge, take me, Brian Bodie, instead." You would go, and and let's say the judge did, okay, cool, I'll I'll give you uh, life in prison. Yeah, and everyone's like justice. Yeah, and everyone's like, wow, it's so <laughs> amazing how Brian just satisfied that wrath and justice on Will's behalf. I <laughs> would be like, whoa, that judge is so screwed up. Where's the justice? Yeah. And that's the problem when, because it's, we're trying to use this perfect judge mentality here, and it falls apart when you reverse it. When you take two seconds to just look at it, you realize that this judge forensic analogy doesn't work. Yeah. Um, God is the judge, but he is a perfect judge who offers forgiveness through repentance, through repenting and believing on him. And then after that, there's the judgment, right? Yeah. Yeah. The whole. The whole t- time of
1: the atonement with Jesus dying and resurrecting is not the judgment time right. at all. It is the covering through Christ's blood of sin of the believers, and then they are made righteous through yeah, his it's blood. It's the
0: purification, <laughs> which is why it says that wrath is being stored up yeah. for the day of judgment. Why is wrath stored up if it's already satisfied on Jesus? Have you heard about second judgment? <laughs> That's the first wrath. What about the second wrath? Um, So this goes into a misunderstanding of propitiation a little bit, um, but I don't want to spoil the book too much, but propitiation, essentially, guys, look it up. The same word is used in the Hebrew Bible for, in like the Septuagint, for the mercy seat or the place of the atonement. And atonement just means to bring together. People think atonement means like some sort of satiation. That's not what it means. It just means to bring back together. Well, just because you're bringing back together, Matthew 18 tells us that just because you're bringing something together doesn't mean that you get to demand satisfaction. Actually, that's what he told the unforgiving servant was wrong because he didn't freely mm-hmm. forgive. So, um, And that he demanded uh, satiation. So anyway... Uh, I don't want to get too far into that. I don't want to do spoilers for, for the project I'm working on because I kind of want to publish it before I start talking about it all the time.
1: Now, do you want to address the last part you said there? Was, which I don't was remember what the I said. A quote from Jesus on the cross that said, my God, my God.
0: Oh, Eli, Eli, Lema, Sabachthani. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, you know, God forsook him on the cross because I used to teach that. Like God forsook him on the cross. But again, if I, if young me, had taken 13 seconds to study that, again, I felt so stupid over this. I'm like, I'm the dumbest person I know. <laughs> um, Jesus wasn't saying he was actually forsaken by God. If anyone re- knows anything about Jesus, he would say a phrase from a popular prophecy or a psalm or a quote from... He would say these small little quotes of references back to reference the entire passage. Kind of like if we were all hanging out and I was like, well, you know... God, for, God so loved the world. And everyone will go, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall yeah. not perish. Everyone knows the rest of the passage. but it was I just, a joke,
1: it'd be a callback.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. If it was a joke, it'd be a callback joke. But this is just a, I'm referencing this, you know what I'm talking about. So him saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Means that he feels forsaken by God in the moment, okay? That's what it kind of feels like. But it's not really what he's trying to drive at. Because if you read Psalm 22, which is where that he, what he's quoting from, it begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My enemies surround me. They basically are clawing at my flesh. They seek to destroy me, essentially. He goes on this whole tangent about how evil his enemies are. However, and, <laughs> however, he affirms the fact that God delivers him, that God saves him from his enemies, and that God is the true Savior and God forever and ever, which is exactly what he's pointing to. He's saying that this is a messianic moment. This is the moment where I am surrounded by my enemies. It appears as God for, has forsaken me, but in the end, God is actually with me the entire time and is going to bring me back in the last days and be the true savior of his people. It's a callback. It's it's referencing the entire passage. Wait, this
1: isn't the Trinity being torn apart? It's not the
0: Trinity being torn apart for you and for me. It's not what Martin Luther said, which is that he became uh, the chief of murderers and adulterers. None of that. It's just saying that, He feels forsaken by God, or at least – or I should say it appears like he's forsaken by God in the moment and just to later on be saved by God. So it's just (laughs) – like I said, this is like right before I started studying that. Like It's probably like, I don't know, just two, three months before. I don't know. But it's pretty close. Yeah,
1: I think this is the ninth
0: episode we do, so – Pretty early on. Early on. Our sin, it truly alienates us from God. And that's one of the things we don't understand is the gravity of our sin. It alienates us from God. It separates us from him. That's but true. But the good news, the gospel, is that we can't earn our way there. And you go, well, wait, how's that good news? Because we have sinned. That one, You, you know, one good deed does not redeem a man of a lifetime of wickedness. Parts of our Caribbean. human heart is corrupt and broken. <laughs> but here's the thing. God loves us beyond all other things. And he reached out to mankind. And this is the gospel. His spirit will change you. And it says that anyone who believes on him will, will be saved. And this is more than just a, yeah I, yeah, I know God exists. And that's the problem. I think many people are going to miss uh, heaven by about 12 inches there because it's a mental thing. They go, yeah, I mentally, I intellectually understand God. I intellectually say, yeah, the, the, uh, yeah those things happened, But it's more than that. Is a faith in your heart it is a it's a change which is why romans 12 2 says this do not be conformed to the this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of god what is good and acceptable and perfect and then mark 1:15 he says and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of god is at hand repent and believe in the gospel you need to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. you want to see actual change in your life? you want to actually be in fellowship with God and with the divine? Then it requires a repentance and a belief. Repenting means to turn away from. And that means no, it doesn't mean, oh God, I'm sorry. And then you continue to just not care. There's a lot of Christians out there who claim the name of God, yet live as filthy, rotten sinners. The whole point here is to repent and believe. Now, you're not going to be perfect. Paul says that we are going to fight with the flesh daily. And you know what? Sometimes we're probably going to mess things up. But the point is that we ought to be turning away from our sin, being transformed by the renewal of our mind with a pure belief in God and belief and faith in his ways and his precepts. And going, okay, you know what, God, you are the authority. It is not my autonomy. I don't get to dictate it. You have dictated the rules and I'm going to follow your ways. And you will find that when you do that, you will not regret it. It is truly a life-changing moment. This is why, how you see those people who are addicted to drugs and all these horrible, this horrible life beforehand, you know, in and out of prison maybe and all these things. That's how you see them completely turn around and get their life on track for God. They're completely different people. Maybe you know someone like that. I know a lot of people like that. It's because the true power of redemption through faith in Jesus Christ can get you there. And it is what will get you. It's the only thing that will get you there. There's only one salvation. There's only one faith and one spirit. So here's, but here's the thing. The gospel is not a self-help thing. It's not going to fix all the problems in your life. Guess what? You accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And Savior. You confess with your mouth. You repent and you have put your faith and trust in him. <laughs> you do all this. Guess what? You're going to wake up tomorrow and a lot of those problems are still going to exist. But you won't be alone and you'll have God and you will be redeemed. You will have burdens. Yeah, you'll have trials. You'll have difficulties. You will have a lot of these things. And some people might even hate you for your newfound faith. You might even have to reject some of your friends because you have to change your lifestyle. But you will have meaning. You will have, and you will have the redemptive power of God. And most importantly, you will have salvation in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, which will indwell you. And you won't regret it. Let me tell you, you won't regret it. I can per- speak from personal experience here. You won't regret it. I see many people's lives entirely change. Those depressed oftentimes find joy. Those who are anger angry, I mean, find peace. Those who are bitter find serenity. And those who are broken become whole. And this is because the gospel isn't a fairy tale. It's a truth. It's the objective truth. And here's the thing you can't disprove it. You can't disprove the scriptures. Everyone has tried for many years. But there is scientific truth in the Bible. The Bible has not been proved wrong. There is archaeological proof, which is only reinforcing the Bible. And there's ethical truth, which confirms the Bible. The, the law written upon your heart follows the Judeo-Christian ethic. Let me ask you this. So right now, will you accept the gospel of Jesus Christ? Christian, this message is also not mundane. This is not something that should be so repeti- repeated that you go, Yeah, okay. You know, John 3 is 16, for God sold the world. that he gave his only begotten son. Blah, 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 who believes on him, everlasting life. It shouldn't be all it things that you get tired of hearing. It should not become mundane. This is the good news. This is the exciting news and this is the news we're told to go out and give the gospel to every creature so that all who believe on him will not perish but have everlasting life. First Corinthians 153 through4 says this, "For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried. he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures jesus christ died for you and for me and he was raised again he defeated death so that you wouldn't have to endure it this is the power of the gospel and it's only through (laughs) repenting and believing in jesus christ can you experience it yourself so if you've been wondering why is life mundane why is life meaningless why why is there no why does it feel like there is no purpose in my life it's because you are trying to claim your own autonomy and you're not realizing the sinfulness that you have within you and that that sinfulness is what condemns you to hell you're, re- you're returning and so i ask you to turn away from that and repent and believe in jesus christ and follow him follow his precepts follow his law and love one another as we as he first loved us love the lord your god with all your heart soul and mind love your neighbor as yourself pursue the things of god with through faith and you will not regret it this has been the church split my name is will and uh, like and comment below. And if you ha- if anyone has any questions about the gospel, I'd be lo- I'd love and be honored to talk with you about it. Oh wow! I forgot about our whitewashed out. screen. Oh yeah,
1: that was the old logo, the old wow. white
0: one. Oh, what happened? <laughs> so the rest of the God, uh, he defeated death. That was true. I, yeah, I was I, like, hey, Chris
1: Victor. <laughs> yeah, there it is. there is that,
0: because that's actually kind of what he gets as like, okay, no, 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 he died for your sins in the sense that as a hero dies for, Mm -hmm. for his people, not in a way that like God had to punish him, but like I'm succumbing to death. Why? So I can resurrect and defeat it for you and then promise you a resurrection, which is why Jesus Christ is the first fruits of that resurrection and more will come later. Yeah. Uh, and there's so many little things in there, but it's, but it's funny because again, my communicative style has definitely improved since then. I think it's because back then I was still trying to be like a little bit more pastoral of an approach. It took time the, our, our channel did morph until it became just what it is now.
1: Yeah. We were bouncing uh, off the rails a little bit trying to find the... Yeah, like, the what's right our group. what's
0: the vibe do we want to have? Like, the, this was kind of like, well, this is, wants to be just kind of a sit-down chat with Pastor Will. Yeah. And then over time, it turned into, uh you know, more and more, more what it is now, I suppose, which is more like almost like a talk show, a theology talk yeah. show. You
1: even almost had like an altar call in there. Yeah, <laughs>
0: no, the I end. almost did have like an altar call. Well, that <laughs> was like... Besides, because back then, guys, you have no idea how hard it was to get used to talking to a camera. <laughs> how many takes did we used to have to do? A lot. And now we just I fire have it. a lot of bloopers on you. Yes. A, lot. a ton. <laughs> uh, one day we might release them. Uh, but this right here, like now we just fire it up and go because now it's so much easier to talk to the camera. It it used to be so hard. I used to just sit there and I'd go blank because there was no one nodding there. I didn't feel like I was having a conversation because I was used to public speaking, Mm -hmm. but usually you're making eye contact, you say something and somebody acknowledges what you're saying and you kind of, I don't know, it feels more relational when you're speaking. Yeah, this is
1: before Zoom was a thing.
0: (laughs) Right, this was before (laughs) Zoom took off. So this was like just me talking to a camera in my living room. It was so weird to get used to. So you see a lot of times, like my brain, brain just go completely dead and just me trying to fumble. And it was just really awkward, but at the same time uh, that was my pastoral side. Like that was that And that's still my pastoral heart. It's just, it took me time to just go, you know what, yeah. will don't try to, because I was thinking of like a certain ethos and um, a certain decorum about me when I speak uh, online. Yes. Yeah. Now if I, if I was like, just be you, you know, it, it, you don't need to go for a certain vibe. You can just go for it. And actually I think the church splits better for, it just being us.
1: Yeah. You did start detangling PSA from the gospel. We actually gave like a pure gospel message at the end there. You talked about repentance. You talked about that you can't work your way into salvation after you've sinned. So there's a lot of good stuff there at the end. I was like,
0: Yep, that's right. Yep, that's right. Yep. The thing is I noticed that when I rewatched this, was I really did have those ideas together. And once you actually realize that your atonement theory is not the gospel, it's just the mechanic that brought about the gospel, yeah. it really does start making itself more clear. The gospel ha- is what it always has been, which is exactly what Christ said it was. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The good news is that the kingdom of God is at hand. The good news is that you have salvation through Christ. That's the good news. Mm-hmm. And that he did accomplished all of it for you on your behalf. And not necessarily, it doesn't even have to necessarily be a substitute, it could be as a representative, could be as a, your savior. There's a number of other ways to view that than just purely substitutionary language, which is kind of what N.T. Wright gets at, even though N.T. Wright says he affirms penal substitution, but he completely redefines it. It's actually funny. He's like, <laughs> he refers to it as Jesus, the, the penalty he paid was the deuterocanonical curse, which is death. So again, that Chris is Victor idea. Yeah. Um, that he, and then his resurrection, defeating death. Um, and he did it for mankind on behalf of mankind. He died so that we wouldn't have to, we could resurrect us. And so it's like, so there's there's a substitution. So it is funny when you even listen to NT, right? He's like, Oh, I hold to it, but he completely redefines it. I'm like, basically Chris is Victor. That's just basically what you said. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that has just been fun. It was funny when I listened to that and then those guys were like, yeah, see, he changed his gospel presentation. I'm like, yeah, because I started realizing that I have to detangle those those things, and it's not that you can't mention what Christ did for you; just don't equate them. Like, uh, what is it? Reformed frontline on TikTok. Uh, he's got like a really crazy curly mustache. I've done like three different responses to him recently, and he said that penal substitutionary it is the gospel. Penal <laughs> substitutionary atonement is the gospel, and I was like, no, it's not. Like, that's to miss the mark. And I think, and I, that's not against him because I think it, it's a thing that many. Yeah, many think that. young ministers fall into. Yeah. Um, also, I've noticed back then my accent's weird, and I say him instead of him. I <laughs> still do that sometimes. <laughs> so I <I've> really <laughs> try to fight that, but once in a while, him comes out <laughs> as opposed to him. So that was bugging me throughout too. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I was wrong. I mean, that's the thing. that I was just wrong, and you, we were both wrong in that area. That was when you and I were both teaching. In fact, there, wasn't this time soon after you taught Hebrews the first time? Yeah. This is after I taught Hebrews the first time. Right. Yeah. And then I got I taught that in 2018 for the first time. Yeah. And then you taught it what last year? Yeah. And then you said you had to throw away all your notes because you disagreed. Yeah, I was like, them. this is all garbage. <laughs> Especially a, Hebrews six.
1: It's a, that's why you don't record
0: to Sunday school. Uh, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but Look it's so good to do that. It's actually really great to watch some of those old a- areas of mine and go, wow, I have grown and I have changed and I have shifted. And Honestly, I think stepping down from the pastorate is what I needed to be able to openly shift those positions and not care. Because when you're a pastor, you're sometimes bound by the Constitution and all these different things. And sometimes I and I just really wanted time to study. Yeah, That was one of the big reasons I was like, I need more time to study, not doing church things. I just need to study mm-hmm. more theology. Because once I realized I was barely scraping the surface, then... Things happened, So, yeah, I don't know. This is a this is beneficial. So I, I have a question for you, audience members. What is something that you used to believe wholeheartedly and then later on disagreed with? What is a position that you have changed on? And you don't have to agree with us or disagree with us. You could say, I used to be an Arminian, and now I'm a Calvinist. Okay, we're not going to knock you for being a Calvinist, for changing your position. So I'm just curious, how many of you guys have shifted that position, admit that you're wrong in that position, and are completely cool with admitting that you're wrong in that position? Uh, Let us know in the comments below. I'd be curious. Yeah, maybe add what, uh, what were some of the things that pushed you to change that position, too. Was it
1: church tradition? Was it studying more Scripture? Was it watching podcasts what was it that was kind of the impetus to change your view on some of these things because yeah. so I think we come back from a different perspective but I think if you're you're open-minded and you're wanting to listen to the Holy Spirit listen to Scripture, understand more and have, more accurate doctrine i think that's a noble cause and it's okay to change your position yeah it's okay to laugh about what you might have
0: believed before mm -hmm. i used to be a calvinist okay we can do a rebuttal on me later if we want (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's kind of the funny part about it right like you and i both are completely different than what we used to and even though we were in totally different areas we both walked uh, uh, to a similar almost the exact same conclusion Mm -hmm. there's a couple of areas where you and i might differ on but they'd be very small nuances yeah um, in fact, that was a suggestion somebody had. It was like, why don't you guys have a con- uh, have a, an episode of where you guys disagree? It might that, be a short episode, though. <laughs> that would be a short episode, but it could be fun. You know, I think they, there's very few areas I think we would. But point is that we both came from totally different backgrounds and walked our way to that to where we're at now. And I did like how I, I did use the free will theodicy in there. You could definitely tell throughout my my argument was trying to be non-Calvinistic. Yep, you could definitely see that that was still a thing.
1: Yeah, you're very careful not to use the total depravity language.
0: Right, and uh, and that's mainly because I already knew I wasn't ever going to be a Calvinist at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, some people say that the reason why I'm so like non-Calvinistic is because I'm from the IFB, and the IFB is very anti-Calvinist, which is actually just not true, because I only knew that I'd hear somebody be like, so it's was a Calvinist, and everyone in the room would go, oh, and I was like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what it was. I did, I did not get it behind the vitriol. I didn't even understand what it meant. I didn't realize it until later. That's what people were talking about back then. Um, I just... Didn't I just disagree with Calvinism because I don't think it makes any sense of the biblical data whatsoever. Um, and the reason why is because I was listening to James White, who got me out of King James-onlyism, and because that's what I was raised in. And I listened to James White more than I realized he was what they call a Calvinist. I did some research on it, and then I just kept studying it and realized, wow, this is crazy. And then I just like, I, I kind of left a bad taste in my mouth with some things with White. But yeah, I uh, remember
1: I was talking on the phone. I was driving to some horse show or something, and you're, we're talking, you're like, you know, James White is a
0: Calvinist. I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how disappointing. <laughs> you're like, I was enjoying so many of his debates. I'm like, you can still listen to some of those. But um, anyway, so. Other thing I wanted to point out early on in the video, I think the first quote you use is a
1: C.S. Lewis quote, which is kind of funny because he would have disagreed with your presentation on PSA. Oh, he would have. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. There's there's a lot of things that C.S. Lewis... Uh, the church is not... Nowadays, it's funny because everyone loves C.S. Lewis, but they don't know his theology very well. Yeah. If you actually understood his theology, he would... A lot of Protestants and evangelicals would not like him. Yeah. Uh, but he actually he's fantastic. I love C.S. Lewis. And I think C.S. Lewis was mostly correct on pretty much everything. Um, One of the other things I like that you said or you talk about
1: just uh, continually tell people and remind people of the gospel. It's not mundane. It's exciting. It's it's really mm-hmm. good news. It's something to tell people. And we were having a discussion recently with someone about just how often you give the gospel. I was like, oh, you don't need to keep giving the gospel to Christians. So I'm like, no, I think you do because it's exciting. It's good news. And you never know who isn't really a believer yet. They're just maybe have some head knowledge. They can quote scripture. Maybe they go to church a lot and they kind of know how to follow through the motions and copy what a
0: Christian acts like. But. Or maybe they've even fallen away, and they need that rechallenge of, yeah. of how of what God, God did for us because He loves us. If Christ did that for you, sometimes that could be a moral, uh, like back to the moral theory of the atonement. That could be a moral draw to bring people back to Him because they are reminded yeah. of His love. So. Anyway, uh, I don't want to get too sidetracked on that, but the gospel should not become mundane. It should be something we're <laughs> excited about. We should be happy to talk about what Christ did and his work for us. These things are, should be things that we enjoy and love to do and remind one another of. So, um, yeah, but uh, bottom line is Will was wrong. Uh, and he was dumb. He didn't see the very obvious, glaring problem <laughs> with penal substitutionary atonement. Dude, right when I read that the first time, I read it, my jaw hit the floor, and I instantly was like, "Yep, I gotta, re- I gotta understand this better because I'm clearly missing something." Yeah, yeah.
1: It was fun. But you also did say a lot of good things in this video, too. So it wasn't all Yeah, nice. we'll after We'll leave all it up so
0: you guys can laugh at the whole thing. later. <laughs> after want. all my stuttering and mumbling, I finally got through it. So uh, <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, guys, the gospel should not be mundane. It should be something that's exciting. Um, it's OK to admit you're wrong. Please let us know in areas that you thought you were wrong down below. And if you like this channel, go ahead and like and subscribe, share it with a friend, and uh, support us on Patreon. So anyway, take care, everyone, and God bless.